What is going on, my wonderful, beautiful, beautiful people? I hope you all are having a wonderful day, whether it's night, evening, or afternoon, whether you're in the kitchen, going to the gym, in the car, or just hanging out. First and foremost, I want to thank you all for joining me here on In My Mind, Motivational Wellbeing. So for today, we're going to talk about being underestimated and the power of underestimation. I'm going to share with you a personal experience of mine of me being underestimated and how I overcame that. Then we're also going to dive into when you are underestimated and you underestimate yourself, what happens to your mindset? And then to close it all out, we are going to discuss the power of betting on yourself. So sit back, relax, kick your feet up, grab some snacks as we get into it. And as always, I want to thank you for allowing me to welcome you to In My Mind, Motivational Wellbeing. Let's get started. What is going on, my beautiful people? How are we doing? Whether it's the morning, afternoon, night, no matter where you're at, in your car, your kitchen, in the gym, kicking back, relaxing. Thank you once again for joining me here. I really appreciate it. As you heard in the intro, we're definitely going to dive into a couple things. I got some quotes for you guys. We're going to also dive into, you know, what happens when you underestimate yourself and then betting on yourself. Probably one of my favorite things to write about thus far. So let's get into it. The first quote that I have is from Stuart Stratford. Those we underestimate in life can often serve as guides to our lack of vision. And then this next one is from Germany Kent. At the very moment when people underestimate you is when you can make a breakthrough. So the story I wanted to talk about was a good friend of mine. I was invited to his wedding as his best man. Now, mind you, I knew about this wedding uh, prior. Uh, and to be frank with you, did I write my speech then? Absolutely not. I actually wrote it a couple of days before the wedding. So leading up to that moment, I've gone through a public speaking class through my job. I've also taught some classes through my job. And then, hey, I started working on this podcast with you all here. So in a way, I've been kind of sharpening that craft of public speaking and just speaking in general. So giving a speech in front of people is something that didn't shake me one bit. I seen it as a challenge and I gladly accepted. The process of writing this speech, I wrote it down in my notebook and then I typed it. And then I wrote it down in a notebook that was given to me by the bride to keep track of everything else. Now, in my public speaking class, we were taught to speak from memory to uh, a two-minute speech, so two to three-minute speech. So you had everything down and pat, but you're able to communicate clearly and concisely when you're looking at somebody. You can convey that emotion and that, that energy without having to look down and read at a paper. 
So I didn't want to write this down and have to read off of a paper and lose that connection with the individuals in that room. And I believe it was uh, either around or over 100 individuals there. Now, this environment was foreign to me as far as being elevated on a stage and having a microphone. That is new to me. I'm just used to using my voice as it is, whether it was in the classroom or it was in being taught in this class that I was in. So I was a bit nervous about that. I'm, I'm, I'll be honest with you. That was probably the most nerve wracking was holding a microphone. That to me was different because the minute I said something, everybody there was paying attention to me. Okay, so the day before the wedding, I'm reading my speech over and looking at it. And then I ended up putting it on my phone so I had something to quickly reference just in case I either lost track or I felt like I was losing the speech itself. Just something I could practice reading so I could keep it fresh in my mind. So at every spare moment, I would take a look at it to make sure that, you know, I still I still got it. So then we go through the wedding and we get the ceremony done and a couple other things happen. And now it's time for the speech. This is when I found out that I was going to be standing on the stage because I thought the bride and groom were just going to sit on the stage and I would stand on the floor. This is the first instance that I stood above the people that I was talking to. Usually when I talk to people, it's on the same level because I'm equal with them. I'm no better than anybody in a, that's in a room with me. That's just my own philosophy. So this is the first time I'm speaking on a stage, which means everyone is going to be hyper-focused on everything that I do. So yeah, the nervousness grew larger. The maid of honor went first, and she had everything wrote, written down in a book. So she's got this microphone and she's going through her speech, a very beautiful speech, very touching speech as well. And she's going through it and going through it and reading it. And I just remember telling myself, I'm kind of glad that I memorized it because it brings a different, it brings a different flavor to the room and it brings a different mood to the room. So then it comes to me and it's my turn. Microphone's in my hand. The DJ said he's ready on me. And the whole room is quiet. I remember my first line. And it goes, if you don't know me by now, then you're at the wrong wedding. I actually messed that up. And I stumbled over my words. And I think my nerves for that moment got the best of me. And I remember catching myself and just kind of laughing at myself in front of everybody. Just saying, oh, here we go. And I ended up picking it back up, picking up the ball and running with it and knocking that speech right out the park. It was, in my mind to this day, probably the best speech I've ever given and definitely one of the most personal. And I absolutely enjoyed it. Instead of being a traditional kind of speech as far as the best man speech, I just wanted to celebrate those two. That was my speech and what they meant to me. And that's, and that's what I did. So I've finished this speech and now it's time to eat and I get in line. I'm in line talking with somebody and we're just having a casual conversation. I'm in a room full of people that I don't really know except for a couple of them. 
So I'm getting to know a lot of people. I, I was getting a lot of handshakes, a lot of pats on the back. Hey, you did great. That was a wonderful speech. That was very touching. It was very moving. Now, the one thing I did in my speech was to make sure I looked at just about every single person there. And I wanted to make sure I made a connection by that speech that way. As I'm waiting in line with someone and I'm having a simple discussion, waiting in line for food, someone that comes up to me and shakes my hand and says, hey, you know, I underestimated you, but you did a good job. That was a really, really good speech. You did wonderful. And I just said, hey, thanks. And what about my business? I was more worried about eating than anything else. And as soon as I come back to the line, that person that I'm talking to asked me, what, what does that mean? And so, of course, I retorted and said, what, what do you mean? And then they go, well, what does that mean? He clearly said he underestimated you. What does that mean? And I said, I don't, I don't really know. And I went about my business. And of course, that moment, that instance played in my head over and over and over and over again. I want to say for a couple months because I didn't really understand it. I didn't understand that I had people in that crowd that was wishing and hoping for my downfall instead of wishing and hoping that I would succeed. Because in my mind, I wish and hope everybody succeeds. But this this particular person at that time didn't really want me to. So it took me a couple months to finally be okay with it. And I, you know, made a realization. Maybe that person thought that I wasn't the right person for the job. Maybe that person thought that they seen me up there and they could do a better job than me. I don't necessarily know what that person thought because that's no longer my concern. I just know that I was underestimated and I rose to the call. I rose to that challenge and I succeeded. I was operating on such a high level of confidence because this was in the realm of the things that I do. And this was another opportunity for me to show people that this is what I enjoy to do. So no words or no person was going to prosper against that. And I was going to rise above no matter what. And I did. Now, let's kind of segue a bit on what happens when you underestimate yourself. Because through that whole experience... At not one time did I tell myself that I couldn't because I was not going to let that creep into my mind. And I, I know what it does. I know the minute I would have started thinking, you know what, maybe I can't do this. Maybe I'll do a bad job. Once I start speaking that kind of energy into what I was doing, then I'm allowing that room for failure. And I was not going to fail. So when you underestimate yourself, you start to create doubt in your mind. It's exactly what we were just talking about. You start to create that room for doubt, which is room for error, which is room for second guessing and room for downplaying and room for making excuses and accepting that second rate, which is something you should never do. You also lower your self-esteem and you lower your confidence. You begin to believe that there's things out here that you cannot do 
and that you won't achieve all because you don't believe in yourself. As they say, when you argue for your limitations, your limitations become your limit. You think you see, you think, I'm sorry, you think others see you negatively. So when you see people, you think automatically they are looking at you in a negative light or they're saying things about you in a negative way or they're painting a very negative picture about you. I, for one, can tell you none of that matters because you're the one painting that picture yourself. Paint that picture in a positive way. Who cares what they think? Because I sure don't. Now, to there's more that comes with it. I just wanted to run through a couple of a couple of instances that are on the tip of the iceberg. The most important part of this message is this. When you bet on yourself, when you begin to invest in yourself, you bet on yourself and you bet on yourself every single time. In this instance, in that moment for that speech, I bet 100%. I put the house on me and I bet on me. This is what happens when you bet on yourself. You gain a deeper level of confidence. Confidence in your abilities, confidence in your skills, confidence in the fact that even if you are not privy to what is going on, that you will see it through and you'll learn from it and you'll grow from it. And guess what? You'll continue on. You also become not only your best advocate, but your number one ally. We all know at the end of the day, the person that we're left with is ourselves. So why not be our number one advocate and our best ally? We should be. Before anybody tells you that you can do something, you need to tell you that you can do it. That is raw power. That is powerful. And you also hold yourself to a higher standard. So when people start entering your life with lower standards, lower levels of connectivity, and just lower emphasis on anything that they care about in life, you don't really associate with it because you have a higher standard. You have a higher standard for yourself. You hear people talking about things and it starts to go negative and you say, you know what? This has nothing to do with me. I'm going to separate myself because I operate on a higher standard. Now, also, your mindset changes when you start to bet on yourself. You stop only seeing opportunities as pure risk or you can only lose. And you start seeing them as speculative risks where you have a chance to win. You stop walking into these situations as if you've already lost and you start seeing the ways that you already won. Do you know how wonderful that sounds? To me, that sounds remarkable. Even in a lose-lose situation, <laughs> you don't lose-lose. If you learn, you never lose. Betting on yourself means you are not limited to waiting for the right opportunity to come by. You stop waiting for those opportunities. Instead, you create your own. Why? 
because your limits and capabilities are enough to choose and discern the right opportunities as they pass by. That means off of your vindication, off of your confidence, off of your dedication, you're able to notice those opportunities. And instead of letting them slip by, you take them and you grab them and you make them yours. Win or lose, you try it and you do it. Even in failure, you've done it and you did it. And that's just another boost to your confidence. That is the power of betting on yourself. So to wrap this all up, let's let's run through these quotes one more time. One more time. Those we underestimate in life can often serve as guides to our lack of vision. Again, that is from Stuart Stratford. And the last one, at the very moment when people underestimate you is when you can make a breakthrough. And again, that is from Germany, Kent. One more thing I wanted to discuss with you all. And again, thank you. Thank you all for joining me here. We got through 10, I believe, episodes. We've ran through pretty much a whole season. And I got some things coming down the pipe for this next season. But I wanted to thank you all. 10 episodes in and you all have been riding with me ever since. There is no way in this world I could ever thank you all enough. And I'm going to continue to thank you all for just listening to what I have to say. I hope I inspire and I hope I help you grow because you all are helping me grow. As I said before, if you grow, I grow and we grow. So once again, I wanted to thank you all from around the world. I didn't forget from around the world. I love it so much. Thank you all again for listening. We got some more coming. Stay tuned. Once again, this is Marcus Sidnor. And thanks for listening to In My Mind. Motivational well-being is more than just two words. It's a way of life. It's an action. It is an act. It is what you do, not what you were doing to achieve greatness. It is what you do to achieve greatness. So again, my name is Marcus Sidnor, and I just wanted to thank you for being here with me today. Sometimes in the description, I leave a question. If you had some free time, Put an answer down. Tell me what you think. Tell me what you think about the format. What do you like about it? How do you feel? Or you can just tell me about your day. If you want to leave any kind of comment, I read them all. I really appreciate you guys and gals for listening. Thank you again for joining me on In My Mind, Motivational Wellbeing. I hope you all have a wonderful day, night, or afternoon.